Hey, everybody, we're talking to Chip White today. What an amazing guy. He is an HR development partner at Michelin. He's also a leadership coach and has some incredible stories about how to develop leaders on your team and in your organization. He's a great new friend of mine. You don't want to miss this conversation. Welcome to The Last 10%. Your host, Dallas Burnett dives into incredible conversations that will inspire you to finish well and finish strong. Listen as guests share their journeys and valuable advice on living in the last 10%. If you are a leader, a coach, a business owner, or someone looking to level up, you are in the right place. Remember, you can give 90% effort and make it a long way, but it's finding out how to unlock the last 10% that makes all the difference in your life, your relationships, and your work. Now, here's Dallas. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am Dallas Burnett in Thrive Studios, sitting in my 1905 Koch Brothers Barber chair. But more importantly, we just have a great guest today, This man has been responsible to develop and assess 1,800 leaders in one company. That's, yes, 1,800 leaders in Michelin in a previous role. Welcome to the show, Chip. Thank you, Dallas. Great to be with you today. Oh, yeah. I've just been, been so excited reading through your bio and all the information, all the things you've been a part of, and there's just so much synergy that you have with what we're doing and what you're doing. I was like, oh, this is going to be a great show. So thank you for being on the show. Now, let's set this up. So first of all, tell the tell everyone listening, because I think pretty much everybody in the world knows Michelin, but just so that we clear the air, tell us about Michelin, where they are. You guys are tire experts, but you're all over the world. So tell us a little bit about Michelin and what your role is there. Yeah, so I'm in Human Resource Development Partner at Michelin. I have about 350 people that I'm responsible for all facets of HR from hiring, onboarding, team development, individual development, businesses, any type of performance management and offboarding as well. So all facets of HR within that area and sphere of influence. And Michelin, you say it's a great company. It's a worldwide company is well known. Its focus is on tires, but it's moving very quickly to beyond tires and around tires as well. And so it gets ah, into okay. services and other aspects as well as part of the business. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. That's awesome. That's very interesting. So you started, though, you're in HR now. You're running all this in HR for Michelin, which is amazing. But you didn't start in HR. You started in engineering. And we were talking about that a little bit before the show. How does one go from engineering to HR? That seems seems like an interesting transition. Yeah. So I'm an engineer is what I am. So I'm an electrical engineer by degree. And oh, wow. start out with, you can't spell geek without double E. And so I am definitely that, that geek double E. Love Started that. out with Exxon in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, as electrical instrumentation engineer at the refinery there. And then my girlfriend, who later became my wife for the last 25 years, she's from the oh. upstate of South Carolina. She came, I thought, to be with me when she graduated. She came to get me and bring me back to South Carolina. And so that's what she did. And so I came on board with Michelin and interviewed with Michelin the day before I got married because I was in the upstate of South Carolina. And I remember telling people during the interview, if I seem nervous, it's not because of the interview. It's because I'm getting married tomorrow. And so 
And so started out in electrical engineering at Michelin at a manufacturing facility there and wanted to get close to the business after about three and a half years, but didn't know if I wanted to go into hierarchical management in production immediately. And so one of my career advisors said, Chip, why don't you go into industrial engineering? They said, it's an intermediate step from the technical side. You get closer to the business. If you like it, you can move on into production management, things like that. If you don't, you haven't lost anything. You can return back to the more of the technical side. And so that's what I did. I did that for about three and a half years. And it gave me a better understanding of the metrics and the business. And Michelin teaches you how to be an industrial engineer because I couldn't spell IE, let alone do it. <laughs> and so Michelin took me through school and trained me. And their view is that if you have a desire and there is a business need from their standpoint and they see the fit and you see the fit, they'll equip you with everything that you need to be successful. And so wow. I'm a living, breathing example of that, like thousands of others of us within this company. Wow. From there, I wanted to get into closer to, I guess, more of a central role. I wanted to know what am I going to be when I grow up? Well, I figured the best way to do that, which is being recruiting, where I'm recruiting for all these positions all over North America. And so right. went into a corporate recruiting role and did that for a brief stint. And then there was a need to grow the IE discipline, the department. And so I had an opportunity to go back into facility as a industrial engineering manager. So that was the first time wow. that I led a team as well as being on the plant staff to where we're making decisions for 800 to 1,000 employees between the facilities that I was working in. Uh, from there, I went into a central management role to where there was about seven different facilities that reported up through about five of us. And but what I learned there was how to effectively communicate at various levels of the organization. You're talking to probably seven different levels or so within the organization. And so you learn wow. what they needed and how effectively to tailor your message to who you were talking to. And so that was a wow. great skill to learn. What I had seen Dallas in my career though, that every step of the way that by this point in time, I had five or six roles I had been in. My love, my passion was people development. Whether mm. it was an electrical engineer, it was working with the electricians. Whether it was an industrial mm. engineer, it was with the operators on the shop floor and helping their role to be better. And that was my love was seeing the light bulb come on. And so mm. with that said, I had an opportunity to go into a management trainer role. And I spent two stances at one as a management trainer training pretty much the mistakes that I had made and what I had learned from all of my hard knocks. I just screwed up <laughs> so that they don't make the same mistakes that I have made. And then also I moved into a leadership development where I was doing more leadership training. And that's where I got exposed to coaching and this thing called coaching. Uh. I'll talk a little bit more about that. And then from there, about five years ago, went into this development partner role, which is just a great role to be able to help and play a role to develop people from a career perspective and from the job that they're in. Oh my goodness. That is amazing. What a journey, what a cool journey you've been on. And what an amazing journey that you've been able to do inside of one organization. I mean, you've gotten so many different kind of facets and seats in the ballpark, but you were able to stay in the same company. I think that is, I think that's very inspiring. So it's kind of rare now because so many people change jobs so frequently. It's really cool to hear your story and how you've been able to do that manage that growth and development personally, 
inside the same organization. You know, there's that's really cool. I, I handle a lot of exit interviews and retirements in my role, but I'm amazed at the number of people who retire from Michelin with 35, 40 plus years. And that's wow. kind of the norm. So even though I've been here 25, I feel like a baby compared to others within the organization. <laughs> that's so awesome. That's awesome. So you get exposed to coaching and you kind of have this path that you've gone from really electrical engineering to industrial engineering and managing to trainer. And then in that training role and through after that, you kind of get exposed to this idea of coaching. I'm interested because we had talked a little bit about this. Was that an easy kind of transition or how did that happen going from a kind of like more of an HR generalist to an actual coach? How did that happen? Well, well Dallas, I will admit, I didn't want any part of it. I, I wanted no <laughs> part whatsoever of coaching. <laughs> you, you know, they... I was asked to be a part of, in order to roll out something within the organization, within this leadership and team building role that I was in, we were going to roll out purpose through the organization. And I need to get mm -hmm. certified on this one training topic. And it was done through an organization that does IPEC, which does energy levels. And but they have their own coaching certification that's ICF approved. And so they said, Chip, you'll be 40% there. The managers at Michelin came to me and said, you'll be 40% there. Therefore, if you want to, we'll go ahead and pay for you to get your coaching certification. And I just had a little bit of exposure to it. And so Dallas, I can't believe I said this now in, in retrospect, but I pretty much told them their soft skills and their Charmin soft skills. And this coaching <laughs> stuff is Charmin soft. It's, it's a whole nother level of softness and I don't want any part of it whatsoever. So I told them, thank you, but no, thank you. And oh, then, you rejected them. Yeah, just pretty much said no. And, and then all That's of a sudden, so I got a little bit more exposure to it. And I realized, huh, this stuff is really good. This stuff is mm. transformational to me as an individual. This is exactly what I need as a leader. And not mm. only could I benefit from it, but I think others could benefit from it as well. And so I sheepishly went back to them and said, hey, look, if that offer's still on the table, I would love to be able to move forward and become a certified coach. And so that was uh, six years ago now, and I started my own business in human investment solutions where I do leadership coaching, career coaching, and HR consulting type of work, and uh, have seen that I use that one skill of coaching in all facets of my life more so than anything else. So true. I love your story, and I think that it is so common, the perspective that you had going into that. I just think, and I'm sure you've seen it. At, at, because you deal with so many people on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, especially the technical, technical folks. I, I'm, I'm talking to the technical folks because when you come out of it, and both of us, we were kind of talking before the show, you came out of EE, I was in polymer chemistry. So it's not necessarily screaming empathy and people skills, right? When you come out with those degrees, right? So I think there's a lot of technical people, whether it's in IT or whether it's in sciences or whatever, engineering, that just they have a view because they've been so trained in that technical role, that execution and being that expert, that when it comes into the to the coaching area, to the leadership area, it's almost viewed like you said, there's soft skills and there's sharp and soft. I love that. And and I think that it's a tough, it's tough because then it's almost like they have to experience it. They either experience the value of it or they just completely fail. And then they're like, well, that didn't work. I need something. And they or they've got to see something and be attracted to it and go like you did. You kind of saw it and was like, ooh, I'm seeing it now. This could be valuable to me. And, it, and it's almost like a personal transformation. 
that opens you up to be able to transform others. I love that. And I think that's the common thread with a lot of coaches. Like you've either experienced something, whether it's a failure or whether it's another coach, but there's been some kind of thing that you, that's this aha moment personally that you go, Oh, I'm changed. Now I want to go change other people, help other people change. Yeah. And and so when I saw the mirror placed up before me that realized I Mm. thought I was a decent leader, but I realized there's whole nother levels than what I even realized. It was seeing myself in the mirror that calls me, I need to change. And I think I have found Mm. an answer to this. The way that Mm. I describe it is that as an organization, we want empowerment. We want autonomy. We want engagement. Those are things that we want. But many of us, because we're so conditioned to receive a command and execute a command and make things work, we don't realize that coaching is the gasoline that goes in that high-powered muscle vehicle of empowerment. And Mm. so you need the fuel to be able to drive. And for me, coaching is that fuel. Oh, that's so good. It's amazing to hear someone because I think that would be counterintuitive to most people to hear someone in such a large organization. You're in a global organization. You're working with a massive, I mean, just in HR, you're managing like 300 people, over 300 people in HR. And it's like unbelievable. And it's a massive organization. And yet you're saying, no, we don't want you to just like to hear order, take order. We want you to have autonomy in doing your work. And I think a lot of people don't put those two things together a large organization and autonomy. So it's really cool that not only do you not only are you saying that's what you want, you're actually trying to train people and inspire them to be that way. I think it's really awesome. I, I think for me, that's the passion that I have. I think that if you, in many cases, people have focused on, you become successful by focusing on your own merits, by being a fixer, a doer, and a go-to person. And that's gotten people to a certain level within the organization. And maybe your span of control has moved, but your span of control has grown based upon the strength of your shoulders and how much weight you can carry. And then it becomes some level of a work-life balance crisis. In order for me Mm. to grow further, I've got to be able to take on more, which means there's things that I can't take on outside of work. And so it's all about you and what you can handle. And then if you get it right and you give good advice, well, then you can never leave. If you get it wrong, (laughs) then who's to blame? It's you because you're the one who gave the advice. And so it's a double-edged sword. And so if I can then begin to use coaching skills to develop people, then I can then leave and it continues as if I was there. Ah, man, I could not have said that better. Man, you just nailed it. I think it's so true because... When you take it on, and we have a tendency to do that, especially if you're a, well, you could be an achiever, you could call it a type A, you could be dominant, or you could just be a servant. It doesn't matter if you're not good at influence, if you're not good at bringing people around you and getting things done and being able to lead others. It's like you said, if you have the right answer, all you're doing is setting yourself up for burnout. I mean, it is like a recipe for burnout is on the way. And and then if you get it wrong, it's like you said, who else is there? So there's nobody to blame but yourself, which is either going to cause you to be disgruntled and get jaded and or and or be seen as somebody that's not capable. And that's kind of where you end in your rise in terms of organization or team leadership. So I think your advice is spot on. When you are engaging with leaders in the organization like that, and let's say you were developing someone 
and you were seeing this problem, how would you approach developing that person to kind of help them see, hey, look, you've, you may have taken on too much and you, you need to spread this out a little bit? Well, and so I think it first starts with no matter where you are in your career, and you alluded to this earlier, it's focusing on technical development in the job and mm. also at the same time in parallel to this leadership development, which includes mm. delegation, which includes empowerment, which includes knowing mm. yourself. And I'll spend a little bit more time on the knowing yourself part, but those two have to go in parallel. It, it doesn't mm. make sense to, if I'm trying to strengthen my entire body to only do upper body and not do leg day. And in yeah. essence, if I focus on just the technical aspects of the job and don't focus on the leadership, I'm doing just upper body and I'm not focusing on the mm. foundation of my legs, which holds my body anyway. That's good stuff. I mean, I think that's really, I think it's a fantastic point. And I love how you bring up self-awareness. What, when you think about self-awareness or you're trying to describe that to someone that you're coaching, where do you start with that? Because it is our belief is that is foundational to leadership, self-awareness. Is, that's where it all starts. Mm -hmm. But how do, how do you go about helping someone? Because that's tough. You don't know what you don't know. So how do you go about helping someone develop their self-awareness and how important that is to you at, in your role right now? So I think it starts with understanding that there's your personality, that is your hardwired DNA, whether it's Myers-Briggs or something else, that does not change over time. That's who you are. And studies even show that they can tell with a high correlation, like a 95 plus percent correlation between extrovert and introvert from the womb. So therefore it, it does not change. It's who you are. Now your behaviors do change over time and your behaviors, whether it be disc or some other type of measurement that they do, that is shaped by your personality, but it's also shaped by your experiences and your, the culture that you're in and other type of factors in your environment. Those things shape you mm. who you are. And then from those behaviors, it drives your decisions, which drives your, or it drives your thoughts, which drives your feelings, which drives your decisions, which drive your actions. And that's the mm. way that we process things from a cognitive behavior standpoint. And then mm. from those actions, there are strengths from a strength-based leadership perspective and there's development areas. So if you can begin to see that process mapped out, your behaviors and who you are, you've got to own your behaviors. You can't say, well, this is who I am. Suck it up, buttercup. You've got to own your behaviors, number one. But understanding those type of assessments can give your insight into where are your strengths, but then where are your development areas. And my experience with my coaching is that most people's development areas are when their strengths are taken to an extreme that your greatest Ooh. development areas are your strengths taken to an unhealthy area. So as an example, oh, if I'm someone who is bold, so being bold is a noble characteristics, being able to speak your mind and speak up and voice your opinion under healthy situations that is very constructive. When it can quickly move to unhealthy is when it becomes abrupt and abrasive and not considering of other people. So your greatest strength taken to an extreme be often becomes your greatest development area. So it's a matter of finding out where is that threshold? Where are those rough edges at? And then how can I apply sandpaper to those rough edges to keep them in check? I think that's, I mean, man, I think that's solid advice. And 
I think people miss a, uh, I think people miss it sometimes because when they're looking to develop, whether it's personally or someone there, they immediately go to a weakness. If I'm just weak in something, I'm going to go to that. But I think it's so fascinating that you would say, no, actually where I see it, the most development is actually an unhealthy version or too much of your strength or unhealthy application. You're saying, I think that's a very, I think it's very insightful. To to me, it's it's the appropriate lens I've seen to work through. If I'm coming from a place of weakness, I can fake it till I make it, but it's not sustainable. Mm. It's Mm. not sustainable Mm. over time because it's not a part of who I naturally am. If I come from a place of strength and just pull back on my strength so that it's not a place of weakness, then it's much more effective, I found. And it's much more sustainable. If you're an introvert, you can only pretend to be an extrovert for so long before you just collapse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> from being right. overstimulated. But if you're too bold, for example, if your boldness is a characteristic, but you're over too bold, then you can be aware of that and pull it back, and it doesn't really cost you. It's just a little. It's it's a lot less self discipline, I think, to do that than try to manufacture something that's not authentic. Yeah. Right? So let's so, kind of unpackage that just a little bit. So to take your example, if I have someone who is an introvert. Oftentimes, introverts are, have strong values and strong passions as part of their behavior. And therefore, mm-hmm. they will speak up and they'll find their leadership voice when they find topics around that they're passionate about or have high values. So rather than saying, Chip, you need to speak up more from a place of weakness, uh, I go, what, is, what are the things that you're passionate about? What are your strengths? What do you oh, value? That's really good. And then you use that to find your leadership voice. Then that'll compel you to speak up in those meetings and settings. I love that. Well, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. That's so fascinating. And I think that's really valuable for listeners. So if you are listening to the show, I think that take Chip's advice. If you're thinking about coaching then and thinking about development, start with your strengths and maybe how you can Make sure that those are oriented in a healthy way and do that. Oh, that's really good. That's really good stuff. So I'd love to talk to you about you have a passion for, we talked a little bit about, well, actually first, before we get to that, I'd love to know what's your favorite, you, you mentioned Myers-Briggs, but do you have a favorite assessment or two that you prefer just and just that other people can take? Or do you have, it's, it doesn't matter, just get something. You know? So I can geek out on a lot of these. And so I like a <laughs> lot of them. But for me, I need, if I'm a leader in a business or a shop or of a team, I don't need a certain type of hammer. I just need a hammer to do the job in many cases. I'm yes. too busy. And so just yes. give me a hammer. And so for yes. me, I like this because it's dominant, okay. influencing, steady, and conscientious. It's four things. Yeah. And I can quickly manage and understand four things as opposed yes. to Myers-Briggs, which is 16 different combinations or oh, something that's else. that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, I like to do this, this is good. This is good. I think I would prefer that over Myers-Briggs as well. I mean, Myers-Briggs is great, and you can kind of get in a little bit more nuance, but on the flip side, if it's hard to hold all 16 of those. If you're trying to work with people and you go, well, well there, you know, name whatever four letters you want, it's really hard to cognitively hold all those when you're trying to manage a team, but you can say, oh, one of the DISC and it's, it's, we're off to the races. So I think you're right. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. But, I but like I think that. from my like end that. to that point, find one and there's a lot of free ones out there, but find one that works for you because that will give you insight into the self-awareness piece that we were talking about earlier mm. so that you know mm. the good, the bad, the ugly of you 
And we all need to kind of understand that aspect of ourselves. I love it. I love it. Shameless plug for Think, Move, Thrive, ladies and gentlemen. He just said, find one. There's plenty of free ones out there. Amazingly, we have the Enneagram that was on Think, Move, Thrive website for free. You can take that, download the download it, uh, the full report for free. So if you ever want to take one and you don't have access to a disc, but you should take all of them. Why not? I've taken them all. I know you have too. <laughs> yeah, sure have. So uh, take one. But if you're looking for one, you can go find one on, the, on Think, Move, Thrive under our assessments page. I would love to talk to about because you you also have had a recent achievement you posted it on your linkedin profile and, and this is another one of those i don't know like you're an enigma man it's uh it's really good but tell us about this recent achievement and about why you decided to do that so i the i'll go back a few years and so i've always wanted to get my mba i've always wanted to get an advanced degree and so i went to my wife Lori, probably about eight or nine years ago, I said, this is something I'd like to do. And she said, sure, I can support you in that. So I took that from my hand as a green light go. Next thing I know, <laughs> I, was, I was applied and I was enrolled in classes to get my MBA. Wow. And she came back oh. to me and she said, Chip, she said, I love you. I know you're a type A personality. And she said, I'm going to ask, hold off. She said, right now, Gresham, our son was a junior in high school. Our daughter was about to start her freshman year of high school. She said, wait, she said, you will get in immersed in this. And next thing they will be out of the house and you will have missed those last four years while they're under the same roof as us. She said, wait uh. until Rachel goes off to college. And when she goes off to school, you can go off to school. And so that's what I did. Uh. So when my daughter uh. started in bioengineering, I started with my MBA at the University of South Carolina with concentration in data analytics. And so we both wow. graduated at about the same time earlier this year. And so we wow. celebrated the two of us, my daughter and I, her with her undergrad and me with my MBA. And we went 10 days camping out West as a result, just to kind oh. of celebrate us oh. accomplishing that. Oh, uh, good for you guys. What a great story. I love that. I love that. That's really good. That's really good. I mean, so it was good advice. And you were graduated, but you also, you also got it knocked out and you guys got to celebrate together. Yeah. So, so it, it was good. I think for me good. though, the thing that I learned from that, and I was 20, 25 years older than everybody in the class and that's okay. But uh, there was experiences that I could bring that, that maybe that they couldn't, but there's things that they could do that I could learn from them, from just the way they process things and on the digital side of how quickly they're used to just that. So the different generations. And being able to experience that was good. I think for me, That's one of the awesome. main thing from this is being a lifelong learner. And that mm. as long as you're upright, we need to be learning. And don't, the minute yeah. we rest on our laurel is just when things can pass us by. And the most difficult conversations that I have with people in Michelin are those who have done that. I've got this job. I don't want to go anywhere else. And I'm just content being here. Well, that's mm. fine. But the job grows and morphs and evolves. And if you don't grow and evolve and morph with it, then it can leave you behind. And that becomes a difficult conversation to have with these people. That sound means it's time to take a break and hear a word from our sponsor. If you lead an organization or a team, one of the biggest challenges you face is developing your people. Think Move Thrive is here to help you on your journey. We've developed a coaching system that integrates into your team or organization to consistently develop your employees, build trust, gain valuable feedback, 
and increase accountability. Leadership retreats and summits are great. We even build those custom for our clients, but they're only part of the solution because they lack consistency. Our one-on-one coaching app is the missing piece in your employee development program. We help new leaders get to know their teams. We help technical managers be more relational, and we help ensure that your relational rock stars stay organized. We developed the system for a client, and it was so successful. We created the app to help more organizations develop their people, build trust, engagement, and you guessed it, performance. For more information, go to thinkmovethrive.com to learn more about the one-on-one coaching system and start developing your team today. Back to the show. I think that is such great advice. And I think that when you look at great leaders, they are not afraid to be uncomfortable. And when you're learning something and you're confused and you're putting yourself out there and you're growing is tough, you go into the weight room and try to grow, you're going to be sore. And it's just, it is what it is. If you do the leg workout, (laughs) as you say, you're going to be sore. You're going to be uncomfortable. And I think that is such a great thing because when you're positioning that, number one, if you're going to be a lifelong learner, that means you're going to have almost like a posture of a certain level of humility for your whole life because you're never getting to a place where you're saying, I've got it. I've got this and I know all I need to know and I'm the expert. I've got all the answers. You're almost saying, hey, look, I'm putting myself in situations where I don't know, where I have to learn, where I have to not be the person that knows has all the answers in the room. I think that's a great position. And the other thing is that it just makes life more exciting. I, I love, I mean, so tell everybody what you got your degree in, though. I mean, it's the MBA, but tell the, the, the Yeah, so it's, it's an MBA with a concentration in data analytics. And because that, that's where the amazing. world's moving to. And so, therefore, it's important to me to understand what your strengths, your talents, your passions are, but then where the world is moving or where your organization's moving and make sure that those two things align with one another. And so I, th- I love how you just mashed up everything. It's, a, it's just, it's not one dimensional. And I think if you're leading a team or leading an organization, I think it's okay to get outside your box. If you've been in the technical fields and you've been kind of doing your thing and, and just crushing it and loving it and, and growing, that's great. But you're going to hit a point in your career where you're going to have to grow outside of that technical area of expertise if you want to continue to develop. And then... Chips got into HR and now he's into coaching. And then what does he do? He gets a master's in data analytics. I mean, you go, wait a minute. What? But I think that's, uh, I think that's a natural progression because of the sphere you're working in and you're seeing the world move. And I love how you're not afraid to go soft skills and coaching. And then you're not afraid to jump right back in into data analytics and say, this is what I want to know about. Man, I think that's, I think that's spot on advice. I, um, I, I think for me though, the, the commonality, as I stated before in all of this, is my passion for people development. And so it, it aligns with my passion. And so the way that I do career coaching with individuals and I try to emulate myself is look inward to determine the outward. Look inward mm-hmm. with who you are as a person. We talk about self-awareness and knowing mm-hmm. who you are, knowing the things that you like, knowing the things that you hate, because that's important as well. Knowing what you don't want to do is as important as knowing the things that you want to do. And then from there, look outward, see the career paths, plural, because there's more than one right answer. And for me, it's been things that align to people development. And to me, data analytics is part of that because that's where the world's moving. But if I can then help people to make decisions, then I'm helping them develop as a result of that. And so that was my 
mindset or mantra, if you will, of why I did that. I love that. That's really good. So in your role in Michelin, what is your, what's your goal when you're thinking through kind of your next steps and, and what you're trying to accomplish? Like, how do you see you applying this data analytics and coaching all together in, in your current role? So I use a lot of coaching. I, I do, it helps. And then I do a lot of working with managers to coach managers on how to have difficult conversations or how to skillfully maneuver through things in a way that respects the individual, but also respects and upholds the being as being an ambassador of the company. And so being able mm -hmm. to do both of those. So I use the coaching skill as much as anything else. The data analytics is, is interesting because I've learned statistics. Now I've learned how to do regression analysis and those type of things. And so using data to be able to predict future results or where we can move forward, it helps us to be able to be more efficient and effective in our decision-making yeah. process. Well, that's awesome. Now I know as a coach, you are big on routines and we are as well. Think we thrive. We love talking about routines and we love helping people develop great routines, whether that's at the organizational level and the system level or whether that's at the personal level, what is, when you think about a person or a team, like a high performing team or a high performing person in at, really at the highest levels, what do you think separates them from others? And how, and what do you think that would be? And how, I don't know, like, how do you, how would you describe that in your experience? I think for me, it's your emotional quotient or your emotional intelligence and having that, it, it goes back to knowing yourself and it sounds like a broken record and I don't mean for it to be, but if you know yourself, then you can better know others because you know yourself. And then mm. that awareness then allows you to not meet, to not be yourself in all situations, but to meet them where they are. And mm. so that you tailor your conversations to meet them based upon their developmental need with where they are, based upon what they're struggling with, what the emotional stigmatism may be in their life or the, in that situation. And if you can meet them where they are and not chameleon, but more right. adaptive. And if yeah. you can do that, then it resonates and it manifests itself as emotional intelligence. And that's when that person mm. goes, ah, you get me. And when the minute mm. they do that or say that, you've established trust with them and trust mm -hmm. is the foundation of leadership. If I do not trust you, I will not follow you plain and simple. Yes. And so those who can do that well are well on their way to building a high performing team. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's so good. That's so good. If you were going to, if you were going to give, cause I've got you now, I just want to, I want you to be able to share all this wisdom with our listeners. So if you were to give someone, if you were going to say, Hey, what are some habits or routines that, that a person could do to finish well, finish strong? What would you say, what would you give advice to someone that came to you and said, Hey, what do I need to do to finish well and finish strong? What habit routine should I start? What, what would you be your advice? I think for me, one of the things that someone passed on to me, one of my mentors passed on to me years ago, and this seems very simple, but it's that doing that small thing, which can have a big impact. And mm. it was setting aside one hour a week to just think strategically and not fall under the operational day-to-day, -day, hour by hour firefighting that we can easily yes. get into as leadership roles. 
But what we would do is we look, you mentioned earlier about leadership is a destination and not a journey, or it's a journey mm-hmm. and not a destination. I mean, you never really mm-hmm. arrive. And right. what you do on a Friday, what I would do on a Friday afternoon, and I chose Friday afternoon because we tend to not have as many meetings on a Friday afternoon and it tends to not right. be as many distractions. And so that was the time for me. It could be something different for other people, but I would take an hour, close my door and look down the mountain. Okay, what happened this mm-hmm. week? What did I accomplish looking at my calendar and look at my notes? What did I not accomplish that I need to accomplish that would move forward to next week? Mm. And then also, mm. what did I learn that I don't get in the busyness of just doing? I pause and reflect and learn from my mistakes or learn from the things that I did well or that I saw other people do well. And then so that's looking down the mountain. And then you look up the mountain to chart your course. What's the things that's needed for me within the organization or that's needed for my team or we need to develop for a prioritization strategically over the next one, three, four, six weeks, six months, wherever the case may be. And you continually do that hour every single week. And it's amazing how that can be transformative to you as, an, as a leader and to the organization. Man, I love that. I love that practice. And I love that you took it. I love how you broke it down because it's a routine but it's a routine where you're reflecting and you're planning. You're saying, I'm looking down the mountain, I'm looking up the mountain. Where have I been? Where am I going? Kind of thing. And I think that's such a, and I love how you do it every week. I love that routine, how you said it every week, because it just sets up such intentionality. You have, because then you can have kind of purpose on when you keep walking up the mountain and you can know and see where you've been and what's worked and what's not, where you've come from. So I just feel like that whole routine is fantastic. I love that. (laughs) I love that. It's well done. And, and, you know, and Dallas, to your point, though, but if I have found myself, because we all can wonder, if I've started drifting off, then weekly mm. and routinely by doing that, I'm recharting my course. And I realize, ah, I'm starting to drift off a little bit before I get miles and miles off and don't even realize I've done that. I talk about that some in terms of like you, you have this, uh, when you set a goal, right? Any kind of goal, you're going to have this drift. And so if you, if you're not careful doing what you're doing, because if you have, let's say, I mean, so many people's like, oh, I'm going to work out. I'm going to go buy me a bunch of, everybody gets gym equipment at Christmas. They have, I'm going to work yep. out five times a week by February. They're working out like once or twice, March, they're stopped working out by June. They've already sold the workout equipment and they gained 10 pounds. Right. Okay. And so the, by the time you get to the end of that year, your drift is so much bigger than if you can just work at it. And every week, if you just take that moment, like you're saying, and pause in that routine, then you're pulling it back saying, oop, hey, I missed the day this week. I got to get back on it next week. I got to get back on it uh, and reminding yourself this is where I'm done. This is where I'm going. This is what I want. I think that is so healthy. And I think that is a power. I think that's a power. I think it has a powerful routine. It, it, so, and I well will done. tell you, at least from my experiences, though, the first couple of weeks or even months that I did this, I felt like I wasn't working and I almost felt guilty because I didn't feel like I was wow. doing anything. I was just sitting there staring at my laptop. And so (laughs) what I had to convince myself was I'm setting strategy. I'm setting vision. I'm reflecting and learning on what I have done. And that's exactly what the organization needs. So while my Mm. mind was telling me I was not adding value, I had to convince myself, no, that's not right. I'm actually adding value. So I share that with you. If you start to try that and to adopt that practice, and you start to feel that, it's completely normal for you to feel that way. 
I think that's great too. And I think you did it. I think again, it's great advice. And I think it's really good that you shared that because if you have that kind of dissonance going into that hour, then your mind is not going to be free enough to really be creative and reflective. You're going to have this kind of in the back of your head and it's going to just kind of cloud you, give you a little dissonance. So I think just giving that freedom to yourself by saying, nope, I'm changing the story here. I'm not just sitting here. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to reframe that. I'm actually doing strategy and being productive. It's just a different kind of productivity. I think that's awesome because it just frees you up. It just frees you up your thinking and man, that's really good. Really. And the other thing that I saw from this is I realized I had been so much of a doer that I wasn't a visionary. And so therefore I even lacked the discipline to be a visionary. And so part of this Mm. pausing and reflecting was teaching me discipline to be able to do that and to let my mind just be creative. I think that's so cool because you just gave a great example of taking your strength of achievement and doing and just pulling that back for one hour a week, just like what you shared earlier yeah. in the show. I mean, I, that is dead on point, like a strength. You said, I'm going to, I'm going to take an hour to be reflective and visionary because I'm a natural, my natural strength is getting it done and achieving. So well done. Well done. Oh, that's good stuff. Good advice. I hope everybody's taking copious notes out there and, and that's definitely worth it. Last thing, we always talk to our guests and we ask our guests if they would like to hear anyone on the last 10%. Now, the thing is, it doesn't have to be somebody. It could be a favorite author. It could be a favorite athlete. It could be somebody that you'd like to hear, or it could be a friend of yours that was a coworker. I mean, we've had the full gamut. We've had, I want my daughter on the show. I want this author that we, we have to contact. It doesn't matter. So do you have anybody that comes to mind that you would like to hear on the last 10%? Mm. So probably one of the most influential leaders that I've come across is uh, Pete Selleck. And so Pete Selleck uh-huh. was the president of Michelin North America, and he took a demotion to become the president of Michelin North America because he was over truck tires worldwide in uh, out of France before he moved into this role, but he came back to the U.S. and retired. He is a former, um, he is a former West Point grad. He, he worked directly wow. for Colin Powell while he was oh, there. Wow. And so just a phenomenal leader that's in the upstate of South Carolina and just has a lot of skills and a lot of abilities and just very practical. All right. All right. So we're going to have to, we're going to have to go after Pete, see if we can get him on the last 10%. That would be awesome. We'd love to have him on the show sometimes. That would be great. Well, Chip, this has just been a pleasure. I feel like you have totally just killed it. You've crushed it this episode and given our listeners so much to think about, so many, so much good advice. Uh, I will ask you though, where can, because you've got some, tell us a little bit you, right before we go, you've got some leadership coaching stuff coming up. So tell us a little bit about that and how people can get in touch with you if they want to get in touch with you after the show. Yeah. So my organization is Human Investment Solutions. So Human Investment Solutions with an S. So you can go to humaninvestmentsolutions.com and see kind of my website because I have a full-time job and I'm doing this on the side. It's kind of a, I'm trying to balance between the two. So give grace there as you look at my website and what have you. (laughs) But one of the things that I'm, that I love doing is equipping leaders to lead through coaching. And so I have a program that we've just started. I've been doing it within Michelin 
in some capacity for about five years now. It's a, it's managers, a coach is what I do, but we do outside of Michelin now something very similar called leadership through coaching. And so we'll have in Columbia, we will be available for two and a half day seminar to teach you as a leader, how to practically use coaching skills to create this posture, to drive this engagement and this autonomy that we've talked about. And it'll be October the 3rd through the 5th. And so you can go, yeah, so you can reach out to me on humaninvestmentsolutions.com, go to that website. You can go into my LinkedIn under Chip White and find the page there. And uh, I would love to be able to have you there and to partner with you, to be able to share with you what I've learned, but then also be able to learn from you as well as a leader. That's wonderful. We'll put all of that in the show notes in case you're driving. Don't worry. We'll have those links in the show notes. And you can get in touch with Chip, especially if you could be a part of his session in Columbia in, in another month or and actually in a couple of weeks. Yes. That's actually yes. it's coming up quick. It's coming up quick. Well, Chip, it has been a pleasure. Thank you again for being on The Last 10%. And we just appreciate your time today. Dallas, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for joining us today on The Last 10%. We hope you found today's content engaging and encouraging. Remember to subscribe to the podcast to hear the latest episodes and help us out by rating and reviewing us so others will join our community. We release new episodes every other Tuesday. This podcast can be found globally in any podcasting app, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Amazon. Subscribe today. Plus, visit our website, join our email list, and discover resources and info for your business and team at thinkmovethrive.com. Thanks again for listening to The Last 10%.